0: Morning Darby Creek Church, hey we are live from the church building today wanted to have a nice change of venue, thanks for joining us well listen we're uh, continuing our series on the book of Esther, we're in chapter six today and um, this is quite an amazing chapter it really is um, quite the turn of events you might say um, and as I was studying this I, I was uh remembered and was called to my attention how there was a, a, a kind of an interesting reversal of events uh, that happened during the uh, Academy Awards back in 2017. I don't know if you remember this, there was a, a, a mix-up on who won a particular award, and, uh, and they were going to award this um, Academy Award to uh, this uh, musical cast for La La Land, and it was a mistake. It was a mistake, and the the the, uh, the television crew with their headsets came up and and, and, and said, "Hey, there's been a mix-up. You guys did not win this award, but it was actually this other. Uh, it was actually the award for best picture, another um, picture called Moonlight." And so, just a bizarre turn of events, right? Uh, when you somebody has, they thought they won this incredible award. And then a total reversal, you know, somebody who thought they lost uh, and didn't get best picture actually got it. And so uh, this is a, a similar kind of thing happens here in this particular chapter in the book of Esther. Is there is quite a reversal uh, of things. You know, up until this point, um, what's, what's happened is everything is looking, you know, so terrible for Mordecai, Esther and their people, the Jews. A death sentence has been placed on them by Haman, uh, who kind of uh, worked the king, who had a weakness. Uh, you know, he could be bribed, in a sense, and he, he, uh, he used that authority that he had to, to put a death sentence on this people. And so we're, we've been headed towards that date in which all the Jews will be exterminated. It, it was uh, the, by the plan of Haman. And however, today... In this particular passage, uh, things are going to totally change course. And I just love this, that we have a God who reverses things like that. And so um, let's take a look here at this next slide. Want to hit the next slide for me? Thank you. And so we'll start here in verse 1. And uh, this Again, chapter six, verses one to 14 says, on that night, the king could not go to sleep. And he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds, the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written how Mordecai had told about Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on King Asuerus. And the king said, what honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's young men who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for him. You may remember, the last thing that Haman was planning was coming on this very morning that started uh, here in chapter six to come in, request that Mordecai be hanged on, on a gallows, on the gallows that actually Haman had had built the night before. And so uh, that just to just remember that. Um, let's see here. Next slide. And the king's young men told him Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king said to him, what should be done to the man whom the king delights to, to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let royal robes be brought, which the king was, has worn, and the horse and the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown is set. And let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials. Let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor, and let them lead him on a horse through the square of the city, proclaiming him. Thus, sh- proclaiming before him. Thus shall be it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And so you see, when the king, not not saying who he wants to honor, uh, he. Wants to get counsel. He's always getting counsel from people um, to make decisions. And so he asks, who's in the court? And and it mentions that Haman's in the court, ironically. Uh, And so he says, Haman, what should I do for a person I want to honor? And Haman, being so self-absorbed and proud, thought he must be wanting to honor me. And so then he lays out how he would want to be honored, Right. And so uh, this is fascinating. And moving on to the next slide, we've got uh, verse 10. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai, led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. Next slide. And Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman uh, uh, to the feast that Esther had prepared. And so, uh, isn't this interesting, just all this, this turn of events? So let's take a look at the first point. Next slide. So, one more. Okay, so. Uh, just to mention a couple of things here, and this is something that keeps coming up, right, in this entire book, is the in, the invisible sovereign hand of God, right? Again, God's name is not mentioned, and um, so he's uh, he's not mentioned by name, not even prayers really mentioned, but implied when they talk about fasting. However, we're constantly seeing God working behind the scenes. And just think about this, think about this. On the night before Haman is ready to come and ask to have Mordecai um, hung on the gallows, what happens? The king has a sleepless night. That's no accident. That's the sovereign hand of God working, right? And then just even how uh, what was the king's choice of entertainment? I mean, he had anything at his disposal that night he could have done. What does he choose to do? He says, oh, let's have these books read you know and so and you also see God's sovereign hand in the fact that that servant chose a particular book that had these deeds that were done, right? And they happened upon the deed that Mordecai did, which was to avert an assassination plan on the king. Again, these are not coincidences. these are the this is the hand of God working. And then of course, uh, the king's delay in rewarding Mordecai, right? Um why didn't he reward him after the assassination plot was thwarted? Uh, if you recall, after the assassination plot was thwarted back in the earlier chapters, the very next verse basically mentions that Haman gets some kind of a promotion. Mordecai is passed over. Yet God's hand was in that. And so we have to remember that um you know just this this timing to the timing of Haman, you know, what are the chances that Haman would have been out in that court? At that time, uh, again, this is not chance. This is not luck. This is God's hand working to save his people, working uh, to, to do this in their name. And so uh, that's just the first thing. And again, this is uh, the sovereignty of God. The invisible hand of God is all over this book. It's a common theme, and it would be kind of remiss to just miss that and bring that up again. But I I want to also just focus in on this second point. So let's go to the next point. So just that God's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. I mean, um, you know, it it definitely here was the 11th hour that this was all coming down to. uh, But yet, you know, God is uh, is, his timing is perfect. And however, you know, there are times when we may be disappointed with the pace of Of God's plans. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe uh, you wish God would hurry up and get something done or move you to the next phase or whatever it might be. But uh, if you're a believer, uh, we have to rest assured that God's timing is always perfect. You think about Abraham and Sarah. God had promised them a son. The years went by. They took things into their own hands, right? Uh, rather than trusting god but but he did he god finally gave them a son of their own uh, and and it was in his time and um, you know with joseph what happened with joseph right sold as a slave falsely accused thrown into prison um, and then people that promised that hey yeah i'll remember you when i get out of here they fo- totally forgot him they left him in the jail But eventually God delivered him at just the right time that he needed to be in power so that he could save his family from famine and his people from famine that was going to come. And so, again, we don't always see what God is doing, but we have to know that his timing is perfect. And that's an issue of faith. It's an issue of trust. And so I would just encourage you, whatever it is, you you would want God to hurry up and get done for you, or to come through for you. Um, you know, just just know that uh, there's a reason for the delay. There's something that God's wanting to maybe teach you, wanting to show you, wanting to put some things in place. Like in this particular case, in the Book of Esther. Um, and so, I, I was even just thinking about um, how um, you know what's going on right now. We, you know, as, as believers, you know, we believe in the sovereignty of God. He's in control. And um, I was also just thinking about how, um, you know, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, then you would also believe that, for example, in our church at Darby Creek is, is an elder-led church. Um, it's, I mean, there are a handful of uh, elders on our board, and they're like the governing board of the church uh, to spiritually oversee and to serve God's people. And, um, and so I would, I just think about how, you know, do you believe this, that God is sovereign and has placed the leaders in our church at this time, that the elders that we would have would be serving at this time during this whole pandemic situation? And do you believe that God having sovereignly placed them there, that they would, um, you know, make have to make some tough decisions, which is what we've had to do over the last, you know, number of weeks, couple of months here now. We made the decision to to suspend in-person services, and it's not always a popular decision, but, but I go back to the sovereignty of God, and, and certainly our board is not infallible. We make mistakes. Um, and we have made mistakes before, and so I'm not saying we're infallible, but what I'm saying is, do you trust in the sovereignty of God? that people that he's put in leadership in our lives, um, that he's going to work through them. And that's an issue of trust and faith. And uh, um, before I was ever an elder in a church, I I, I knew the truth of God, that God had put those people to serve my spiritual needs, uh, not in some kind of a power play mode, but in a servant's role to look out for my good. And, and and you know, you could keep praying for our elder board. You know, we're hoping to be back soon in person services and stuff like that. We haven't made a decision on a, a specific date yet to announce. But, but you know, we're obviously making preparations. We're hoping to be there soon. But, but, you know, this is a sovereignty of God issue, too. This is a timing issue, too. Some people, you know, it's so interesting, would say, uh, you know, we should have never stopped meeting. Some people say, hey, uh, tomorrow is too soon or whatever the date is. It's too soon. Um, and so uh i'm just going to ask that uh on this particular issue we trust that god is leading through uh his leaders whether you know whether they mess up or whether they get it right <laughs> it's it's really scary being that in that position too by the way all of our elders take their jobs seriously and they love the church here at derby creek and so they're trying to balance the need to be back and meeting in person with uh the the needs of also trying to protect the vulnerable. So um, all, all that to say is I feel like that's a very practical application of God's timing of being, being uh, perfect. Let's take a look here at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Um, a very common verse to think about um, when it comes to timing and everything and what God is doing. Again, Romans 8, 28, and also 29. I want to look at that. Where he says, and, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So this is a promise for believers. He says, he says, and we know that those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, you know, we know that not everything happens that's good. Um, some, some terrible things happen, uh, to us and to the world around us and all that. But, but the amazing thing is we have, an, we have a, an incredible God who can even use those terrible things to for good, to work things for good. That's what Joseph said to his brothers when he finally met back up with them when he was in a position of power. The very brothers that had sold him into slavery uh, were confronted by him, and he said, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Uh, that's a powerful statement of faith, isn't it? And I believe that's what the Lord wants us to have, that kind of an attitude that regardless of what's going on, even if, whether we agree, disagree, whether we're having a difficult time with God's timing uh, of things in our lives, please know, please know that for his saints, for those believers, he says he's working all things according to um, for our good, uh, according to his purpose. And then it says, verse um verse 29 For those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers Now the thing I wanted to mention there verse 29 is that part sometimes part of God's delay you know is because he's trying to conform us to the image of his son you know, if you are again, if you're not at peace with the pace of God's plan in your life right now, then maybe you need to realize that He's trying to work something in your heart. He's trying to get you to become more like Jesus through whatever you're going through, for whatever delay you're experiencing. And so, so you know, seek the Lord on that. If you find yourself um, having trouble with the delay and God's timing of things. You know, go to the Lord and say, Lord, show me, uh, help me to grow in the way you want me to grow in this time uh, as I'm waiting for your perfect timing. And so and we realize, too, um, in the end of verse 28, where he says, for those who are called according to his purpose, you know, the ultimate aim of God and everything he's doing is for his glory. And that means in the good, the bad and the ugly in our life. His ultimate aim of what he's working toward is his glory, and so uh, we have to be rest assured of that. All right. So, so realize in this passage here, we definitely see the God's sovereign hand, right? And then we also see that God's timing is is perfect. God's timing. Let's go to the third point. So here on this third point, we see that. Uh, Pride is one of our greatest problems. I mean, Haman is the poster child for pride, isn't he? I mean, he is so proud that when the king mentions, asks him, what should I do for the person I want to honor? He's just thinking of himself. He's just thinking, oh, it must be me. Certainly there could be no one else worthy of the king's honor than me. It's just so self-absorbed, so uh, all about him, all about him. And... um You know, I think one of the opening um, sentences in the book by Rick Warren on The Purpose-Driven Life, it talks about the fact, you know, your life is not about you. It's not about you, it's about God and glorifying Him and what He wants to do through you to do that. And so in order to get on that page, get on the right page with God, we have to realize that pride is one of our greatest problems— I wanted to read to you a little something that I found uh on the Desiring God website. This guy, his name is Josh Squires, and he wrote this article. Uh, let me get you the title if you ever want to see it. Um it's called Pride is Your Greatest Problem. And he's a counselor, he's a Christian counselor. And so um what he what he mentions here is he says in the counseling room, when couples come to me for the first time, they often list uh, have a list of offenses committed against them by their spouse, as as well as a rehearsed inventory of behaviors they expect their partner to change. Similarly, parents often bring children to counseling, reporting that they need to learn new ways of being respectful, self-controlled, and helpful. Also, individuals come and with their catalog of ways in which the world around them has failed to serve them in their quest for joy, comfort, and security. Their offenses need to be heard, he says, and heard tenderly. Our brothers and sisters in Christ need to experience some of the steadfast love of God in the moments when they unpack some of their most painful wounds. A doctor once told me, he says, that effective medicine exists at the intersection of tact, timing, and dosage. The same can be said of counseling and many other disciplines too. And so he's saying, listen, yeah, it's good. As a counselor, he says, I need to hear these people unpack their wounds and so on. But then he says, furthermore, the behaviors that they want to see changed often do need reformation. At the same time, so now he's going to turn this around a little bit, Um, He says, at the same time, during the course of our work together, when I change the perspective and ask leading questions like, what have you done to your spouse, kid, or world? Of what might you need to repent? How can you display Christ to them in the same way that you long for them to display Christ to you? And then he says, I don't usually get answers, but hurt and confused stares, and often I get downright indignation. I get pride, and so now he's not simply saying that you know it's all your fault. But what he is simply saying is uh, we often thinking about what others are doing rather than what's going on in us, and that God might want to work on our pride. And so I just think it bears looking at here uh, a couple of verses. So look up uh, Proverbs sixteen eighteen, just to remind us a little bit about pride. Um, Of course, there's so much written about it. Um, You know, it's one of uh, the list of sins that that are mentioned in the Bible that God just loathes. Of course, he hates all sin, but, but he lists pride as one of those, particularly ones that he hates. So Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty, which is prideful spirit, before a fall this would be Haman's life verse right now. This would be the verse that, uh, as this time is happening to him, as as what's going on in Haman's life right now, is we are seeing the culmination of a prideful life. Um, he's It's all about him, but he's about to encounter a great fall. And so we need to realize, though, it's not just about Haman. Uh, we also struggle with pride. And so how can we How can we break the chains of pride? This is a great question. Well, the first thing I would say is that we need to experience saving faith. You need the power uh, of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to uh, come under new management. You need to get yourself off the throne and put the one who was meant to be on the throne of your life, and that's the Lord Jesus. He deserves that that rightful place. That is, uh, you know, we were all uh, made to serve the Lord. Um, We have this God-shaped vacuum, as some have described it, and it can only be filled with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So that's where it starts. So if you have not, uh, if you have not put your faith in Christ and believed upon him for your salvation to be forgiven, then that's where it starts. You have to start there. Um, You have to have what some people call a come-to-Jesus moment. You really do. And if you're not sure you've had one of those, there's a good chance maybe you haven't. And so I would encourage you to get before the Lord and confess your sin to Him and 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 put Him on that throne of your life. I remember even just in my dorm room years ago when I gave my life to Christ, I remember praying, Lord, come into my life. I want you to run it. And, and uh, that was the first time I ever prayed anything like that. And certainly... There are times when, even as believers, we take the reins back from the Lord. We think we can run it better than He can, and then we have to repent and turn back to Him. But there's really only one, one time when we when we experience this saving faith, right? And and that is when we first believe, when we put our faith in Christ. And then um, there, again, there are moments when we 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 um, we we doubt, we struggle, and so on. But we're still a Christian, and so. I just want to say here that the first step, though, is saving faith. Now, the second step, though, if you want to break the chains of pride, because just because you become a believer, just because you uh, we come under new management of, of the Lord Jesus and we've accepted him as our Savior and say, you, you're going to call the shots, you want to live life your way, we have to, we have to do it by his power, right? And so um, what we need to do is to um, really put on the mindset of Jesus Christ, And so I want to turn to Philippians chapter two, well-known chapter um, about the humility of Jesus Christ. Again, we're talking about pride and how we all struggle with pride in different ways, some more than others. But I want to take a look at Philippians chapter two and starting in verse three. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Isn't that the real issue with pride anyway, right? We think more highly of ourselves than others. Haman, he put himself up on this pedestal. He was looking down on everybody, right? But the Lord says, listen, when you come to me, when you come to saving faith, you need to live a life of humility and do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest. Now, the implication there there is you don't ignore yourself either, but he says don't look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And so this is a tough pill to swallow sometimes, right? When we're struggling with pride, we get defensive maybe in a relationship, because somebody has challenged us in our pride, in our selfishness, right? It, it it takes the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer to not get defensive when someone's trying to come alongside saying, Listen, you got this blind spot in your life, and I'm trying to tell you uh, that blind spot is hurting me. It's maybe hurting our family. But you need to see this. And you know, that to receive it and to hear it takes humility, and we need the Holy Spirit to do that. And so he's saying, he said, um, verse 5 here of Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves. In other words, this mindset that was just being expressed is, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Like He's like, you know, you can have this, you, you already have this, but you need to submit to it. The Lord's given you the power to have the mind of Christ here. He's given you the power to, to approach others and life with humility rather than pride. question is, will we appropriate the power? The question is, will we submit to God? Will we ask for his help when we feel our pride rising up? So then he says, um, he says um, have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is your, yours in Christ Jesus, who, speaking of Jesus, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Verse 8, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Isn't that amazing? The creator of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He came down as a servant, and he emptied himself, right? That's humility. Paul's calling us as believers to put on this mindset and to put away pride, to put it to death. And let me tell you what, in my life, and I'm sure in your life, this is a daily battle. This is something that we have to continually try to beat down by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Because it continues to win a prize. We will, we will fly, fight fleshly battles Till the day the Lord, until the day the Lord Jesus comes back, and then we will see Him, we'll be like Him, and we'll be complete. But I'm, but until then, there is what we call indwelling sin that we're battling. Right? We've got the Holy Spirit if you're a believer, but we're still in this body of flesh, and so we still battle with this pride. And so, think about that. How are you doing? Has has somebody lately, particularly, told you that you know what? You're too self-focused. You you are, it's all about you. You know, maybe they've confronted you and you're not listening. You know, be careful because pride comes before a fall. Uh, It's better to humble ourselves and listen to that hard word that someone's trying to tell us. Or maybe it's just the Holy Spirit showing us. Maybe no one person is confronting us, but we're hearing the Holy Spirit in our heart through his word pointing this out even now. It's a struggle. But listen, God has not left us alone, right? We need to live under the influence of God's word and the Holy Spirit. That's where we're going to get victory. That's where the chains of pride are going to fall off. You know, it's it's, it's like God's given us the power we need, but unless we lay hold of it, right, by yielding to him, by seeking him in prayer, getting in his word, it's like we've got a power tool that's not plugged in. You know, we, we can do all this great thing. We got this power tool. Maybe it's a saw, whatever, but it can't be used. It, it does not have the power to do what it's supposed to do until it's plugged in. And I'm telling you, the Christian life to be plugged in in this way is to yield to God, to submit to his word and recognize our shortcomings and confess it to God and get on our face before him and say, God, help me put this pride to death. Help me, right? Acknowledge it, acknowledge it. That's where it begins, and I realize that's pretty heavy. I realize it's a heavy duty message, but this is what the Lord has called us to as believers. He's called us to be humble servants, right? He's called us to be like Jesus to do. New, you know, and and when you know, just just think of of how your family, if you're if you're married, or how your relationships. Uh, would be different if if the if you would give this pride to the Lord and allow Him, you know, just acknowledge it, confess it, and then and then say, Lord, help me. I want to be like Jesus. I want to consider others as more important than myself. I want to do nothing from selfish or, uh, selfish ambition or conceit. I want to consider others as more important than myself. I want to look out for them. The others oriented life. Is there for us, and that's what we're called to do, but only by His power, and if we admit our need for Him. So, it's an amazing chapter. It's it's uh, it's a challenging chapter. Um, you know, I was just thinking too that um, there's a verse I didn't I didn't uh, read, and I want to read it now here and just in closing. Um, because this is this is kind of related to the gospel. It's it's Second Peter three nine. Second Peter three nine. Okay. Now it kind of gets back to the issue of timing. In, in God's promises and so on It says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know maybe maybe God's timing on things in your life is such that you know if you're a believer already, he's 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 waiting, for the timing for someone else around you to come to faith. And you're part of that equation, and you don't even know it. Or maybe, if you're not a believer yet, and he's waiting to do some things because he's waiting for you to come to faith. Have you thought of that? But I do love this. God's heart is that all would come to know him, though not all will. Not all will accept Christ as Savior, but His heart's desire is that you would put your faith in Him and experience the love of Christ and experience that transformative Holy Spirit in our lives to help us grow in Christ likeness. And today, our focus in that Christ likeness was humility. So, would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that. Uh, Just for the example of Jesus Christ, his humility, his service, his heart of uh, of a servant, he emptied himself, came down as a man so that we might be saved, but then also that we might see his incredible example of humility. Father, help us root out pride in our lives. Help us to uh, see how destructive that is, not only to ourselves, but those that we love the most. Lord, I pray that you grant the gift of repentance where it's needed uh, for anyone that's listening, this gift of repentance to see and admit their need for change in this area. Father, help us to be an example to those around us by your power. And Lord, those that you might be drawn to yourself today, I pray that they put their faith in you, and not delay a moment longer. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, thanks for joining us today, and uh, the Lord bless you.